it would be really helpful if you could have your Bibles or Bible apps open for, uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. There's an outline on the back of the news and space for notes, if that's also helpful. Let's begin with prayer. Almighty Father, as you have given us your word, give us now your spirit that we may listen, understand, learn and live the things which we hear. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In our 18th week of our 1 Corinthians series, God's Church, we reach the final chapter of Paul's letter. Paul Barnett wrote that careful attention to this letter's message and its method of Christian reasoning will bring the blessings of God to those who patiently work through it. That's why we have spent two terms patiently and carefully working through this letter. Paul wrote this letter in response to concerns which were brought to him directly and in the form of a a letter from Corinth. A group from Corinth visited Paul at Ephesus with reports of factions, adultery, disorder during their gatherings, selfish actions at the Lord's Supper and doubts about the future resurrection. At the same time, a letter arrived from Corinth asking for Paul's clarification on six questions, even though they were phrased argumentatively. Surely it's right for women to abstain from sexual relations. Has a father really done wrong in giving his older than usual daughter in marriage? Surely it's acceptable to eat in an idle house. Surely speaking in tongues is the true sign of the spirit. How long must we put money aside for this collection? Surely Apollos will come back to us soon. Over the last 18 weeks or so, we've seen how Paul wisely and seamlessly responded to all these questions and concerns. He addressed matters of true wisdom and false teaching. He dealt with holiness in sexuality and intimate relationships. He looked at idolatry and temple worship before turning to how the gathered church can be orderly and build up the body of Christ. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at Paul's teaching on the certain hope of the resurrection. Today, as we conclude with chapter 16, we see that Paul outlines his future plans and finishes with words of strong encouragement. The last verse of chapter 15 sets the theme of this final chapter. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Paul wants the Corinthians to stand firm. Stand firm in the truth. Stand firm in their relationships. Stand firm in their responsibilities to their fellow believers. Stand firm in their use of their gifts to build up the church, not puff themselves up. And to stand firm in their belief in the resurrection. In his final words of encouragement to the Corinthians, Paul urges them to stand firm in generosity, 
stand firm together and stand firm in faith and love. Paul begins this chapter by addressing one of the questions from the Corinth church. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. What was this collection? Well, it was a collection from the churches established by Paul across Galatia, Macedonia, Achaia and Asia for the church in Jerusalem. The origin of this collection was probably the gift sent by Christians in Antioch to the Jerusalem church when they were severely affected by drought. This gift, then, was an expression of practical love and compassion in the face of great need and distress. But collecting this gift across multiple Christian communities, across four Roman provinces, would have been logistically complex. So there was more to this collection than just practical assistance. Paul had a number of other motivations. The gift would be a confirmation that the people of these churches really had accepted the gospel of Christ. Because faith is to be expressed in love towards others. There was the sense that this gift would be a material blessing to the saints in Jerusalem from whom these new churches had received the spiritual blessings of the gospel. It would express that the bonds of fellowship between congregations were just as strong despite geographical separation. And lastly, the gift would bind them together in the bonds of fellowship and prayer. Now it's interesting that Paul doesn't justify the importance of the gift to the Corinthians in these terms. He just tells them how the gift should be collected. He tells the Corinthians to do what I told the Galatian churches to do. Now if we look at Paul's letter to the Galatians, there are no instructions for the collection, but we do see Paul outline the basis of this gift in chapter 6 of that letter. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Paul then outlines the practicalities of how the gift should be collected. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. The collection was to be systematic, universal, proportionate and cumulative so that it would be ready to be delivered to Jerusalem. So money was to be set aside on the first day of every week. Giving was to be regular rather than random, a first consideration rather than a last thought from what they had, not what they had left over. Just as Paul wrote to the Galatians, the Corinthians were to stand firm in generosity and not grow weary. The instruction was for everyone. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money. 
But this sum of money was to be in keeping with your income. It was to be in keeping with each person's capacity to give. And it was to be saved up so that it would grow to be a substantial gift for the church in Jerusalem. If we begin to feel weary in our Christian generosity and the events of the last 18 months or so had put many in financial stress, the message from Paul is to stay firm. Our generosity is to be our response, our response of gratitude to the generosity God has shown us in Jesus. Generosity is one of the fruits of the Spirit, so we cannot stand firm in our own strength. As we look to Christ and rely on the guidance of the Holy Spirit, then we can maintain our generosity within our church, to Christians in need wherever they may be, and to others in need as well. We stand firm in generosity. Paul then describes how he and Timothy and Apollos are to be welcomed when they visit the Corinthians. Instead of conflict and division, the Corinthians are called to stand firm together with these leaders. Paul expressed his plans to visit Corinth to encourage them further. I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. He didn't want to make just an appearance. I wonder if you can remember when celebrities would visit shopping centres to meet their fans. In the days before COVID-19, hundreds or thousands would gather and many young people, maybe young girls, would scream when the celebrity made their appearance. Of course, this would be followed by opportunities for photographs or autographs. But really, there was no chance to interact with them or get to know them. Paul doesn't want to be a celebrity apostle. He wants to help the Corinthians grow in their faith as individuals and community, and he knows that would take time. What we know is that events didn't go quite according to Paul's plans. Paul's premature departure from Ephesus was brought about by the silversmith's riot and his brush with death. Paul did return to Corinth, but it was an unscheduled, bruising visit after receiving Timothy's negative report. If the Corinthians had respected Paul's leadership, they would have been able to receive his teaching and stand firm together. Paul then refers to Timothy and Apollos. He tells the Corinthians to see to it that Timothy has nothing to fear while he is with you. No one then should treat him with contempt and send him on his way in peace. It's not really clear why Paul was concerned for Timothy. Was it due to his young age? Did Timothy have a bad experience in Corinth? Or was Paul concerned that the troublemakers in the church would make life difficult for him? Paul expected the Corinthians to treat Timothy the same way as they would treat Paul, 
because he's carrying out the work of the Lord just as Paul was. Paul also urged Apollos to visit Corinth, but he was quite unwilling to go straight away. A faction had formed around Apollos in Corinth because he'd been a significant figure whose ministry had made a great impact. So there was a chance that if Apollos returned too early, then he would have destabilised the Corinthians' relationship with Paul, causing further division. Standing firm together involves respecting leadership and those who exercise authority over us. Here at St. Bart's, we have different layers of leadership, which make sure that we are all working together to achieve our mission to make and mature disciples of Jesus. When we stand together, we're united, but when we're divided, we cannot grow as disciples and bear witness to the gospel effectively. We stand firm together. Finally, Paul gives his readers a series of short warnings. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. This pattern of short instructions is used by Paul in some of his other letters. Here, each of these words is chosen carefully for the situation in Corinth. The first, be on your guard or be watchful, is restated in the second, stand firm in the faith. This echoes his earlier reference to the gospel in which you stand. Paul is saying that the faith and the gospel are to be equated. Christians are to exercise faith in the faith. The gospel that Christ died for our sins and was raised on the third day. The Corinthians were to be watchful against turning away from the faith while actively and resolutely standing firm in it. The next two, be courageous and be strong, both refer to the ever-present danger of persecution for the early church. We know that Paul faced danger at every turn even in Ephesus, as he was writing this letter. Paul encouraged the Corinthians to be strong and courageous because he faced the same sufferings they might. The final instruction, do everything in love, is rather pointed because the Corinthians' lack of love was evident in so many ways. The theologically strong didn't show love to the weak brother. The rich failed to love those who had nothing. The verbally gifted spoke for personal glory rather than the building up of the church. Paul devoted chapter 13 to show the Corinthians how to love one another. Here is one more reminder for them to love in Paul's final words to them. So rather than allowing our minds and our hearts to drift away, we must be alert on a daily basis to everything which threatens our faith. We must be alert to temptation, to false teaching, to the dangers of sinful living. 
Furthermore, we must be alert to the needs around us, alert to the needs of our family, our church, and those who do not yet know Christ. We stand together, firm in our faith and in love. In his final paragraph, Paul mentions the household of Stephanus as having devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Called the first fruits of Achaia, Paul recognises their exemplary service to others. Indeed, when Stephanus, Fortunatus and Achaicus visit Paul, it's as though the Corinthian church came with them. For Paul says they made up for his absence from Corinth. He expresses his gratitude that they refreshed his spirit just as he expected they would refresh the spirits of the Corinthians on their return. Are we people who serve and refresh the spirits of those around us, especially our leaders? The church in Corinth was in serious difficulty. There were theological and moral errors and outright rebellion against Paul's leadership. It seems that Paul prayed that the combined effect of this letter and the ministry of Stephanus and Timothy would be enough to hold the line against the doubters, the disputers and the usurpers. But this was not the case. It's fascinating that Paul doesn't deal with many of the issues in the Corinthian church by simply appealing to the lines of authority which were already in place. Instead, Paul teaches. He teaches so that the believers will know how to think and what to believe. Paul's final instruction is to love the Lord. Paul is urging the Corinthians to love the Lord and to demonstrate that love in their lives. As we reflect on all that we have learned over the last 18 weeks, these words should be in the front of our mind as we go out to our front lines. Love the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good news that Jesus died for our sins and rose again. Help us to stand firm. Stand firm in generosity. Stand firm together as God's people. And stand firm in faith and love. By your spirit, help us to be on guard, to stand firm in the faith, to be strong and courageous, and to do everything in love so that we may live and share the good news of Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.